Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Underground USA. Welcome back to Underground USA. My name is Frank Salvato. Be sure to sign up for our mail-out at undergroundusa.com. Coming straight to you, your inbox, with every new piece of product that we produce. It's rather like a spoiled child who doesn't get his way. Who, because he's been bested in a game, upends the board and declares the rules weren't fair from the very beginning. So it is with Congressional Democrats and the Biden administration in their failure to move their power-grabbing voting rights legislation by bastardizing and crippling the filibuster. Last Thursday, U.S. Senators Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema voted with Republicans to defeat a rules change on the filibuster that sealed the fate of the legislation and combined the For the People Act, or H.R. 1, and the John R. Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act of 2021, H.R. 4, combined that would have federalized elections currently under state purview. In the aftermath of the failure to advance federal authority onto the states, Democrats set the stage to be able to claim future elections as flawed should they not emerge victoriously. The consensus is that the 2022 midterm elections will be a proverbial bloodbath for Democrats given their extreme and radically transformative agenda to date and their complete failure in both disengaging from Afghanistan and managing the COVID response. House Majority Whip James Clyburn, who exists in a time loop, that only spans the civil rights movement, when asked if he was concerned about the potential for the midterm elections to be viewed as illegitimate, given Democrats' prospects for defeat, said, I'm absolutely concerned about that. I'm absolutely concerned about that. Let me remind the audience that in 1965, at the time of the advent of the Voting Rights Act, only 3% of African Americans in Alabama were registered to vote. We come in with the 1965 Voting Rights Act, and look what we have now. Nine years ago, the Supreme Court took direct aim at that act in Shelby v. Holder and got rid of preclearance. And what preclearance means, I want people to understand, it means that if you change your voting laws and you've got a history of discriminating against black people or other minorities, you have to submit those voting, those changes to the Justice Department or to a federal court and explain why they're not discriminatory. If they're not discriminatory, then you go ahead and do it. So that's what we're doing here. Clyburn's remarks followed President Biden's statement that the midterms wouldn't be fair unless the federal government was able to control them. Responding to a reporter's question about the legitimacy of any Democrat loss in the midterms, Biden said... Imagine if those uh, attempts to say that uh, the count was not legit. You have to recount it, and we're not going to count. We're going to discard the following votes. I mean, sure, 
it, it, I'm not saying it's going to be legit. It's the increase in the prospect of being illegitimate is a direct proportion to us not being able to get these these reforms passed. But I don't think you're going to see, you're not going to see me, and I don't think you're going to see the Democratic Party give up on can go, coming back at assuming that the attempt fails today. The White House later trotted out Jen Psaki to clean up Mr. Biden's verbal mess. One of the chief tactics in politics is to control the narrative. One of the ways political operatives control the narrative is to inoculate subjects that aren't in their favor. Losing the midterms in such a dramatic manner, as is being predicted, is certainly not in the Democrats' favor. So in order to inoculate against the near-certain reality that Democrats will suffer historic losses in November of 2022, the usual suspect far-left mouthpieces, political charlatans, one and all, are seeding the notion that any loss will be due to Republicans stealing the elections through voter suppression and racial discrimination. Of course, this requires the American public to believe the monumental effort at gaslighting in which the Democrats have been engaging. The false flag argument that newly enacted vote protection laws in states that experienced voting irregularities during the 2020 general election are tantamount to returning to the voter suppression of the Jim Crow era. Of course, nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, every element to each piece of vote protection legislation exists to codify the extension of an American citizen's access to the ballot box. What it does that irks Democrats is to remove the ability for partisans to influence voters all the way up to the sanctity of the ballot box. It also provides protections for ballots already cast so they can't be manipulated by nefarious individuals, as well as provides election officials the ability to know who is actually taking a ballot. As an aside, an overwhelming majority of Americans from every demographic race, gender, religion, economic status, you name it, support voter ID measures, something that the Democrats' power grab sought to prohibit, among a litany of other vote fraud facilitating measures, to include the coercion of judges. U.S. Senator Rand Paul laid bare the Democrats' efforts and intentions. There is no suppression of the vote in our country. We should be thankful for that. They want to change the law so people don't have to show identification to vote by mail so they can harvest the ballots of Democrats at the expense of the rest of the public. It's all about power politics, and it's shameless. Biden stirs the racial tensions and encourages a sort of racial animosity by saying that someone is preventing people from voting because of the color of their skin, and that is a lie. It's also dangerous to the country because he's sort of urging people to say, oh my goodness, it's not legitimate. You can't vote. In 2020, more people voted than have ever voted as far as a percentage of our population. So everything they're saying is a lie. Per CBS News, hardly a bastion of conservatism, Georgia's voting reforms, castigated by Democrats as the more egregious of any that has been passed, the effect of the new law on Georgia's 7.4 million voters will be mixed. It contains new restrictions on absentee voting, while at the same time expanding early voting opportunities. 
The law also formalizes provisions that were put in place to accommodate voters during the coronavirus pandemic and changes the composition of the state election board, which is charged with conducting all of Georgia's elections. Law does make significant changes to the way the state will run elections moving forward. It expands early voting access for some Georgia voters, adds an ID requirement for absentee voting, codifies the use of drop boxes with strict rules on how they can be used, and sets new rules for state and local election officials." Unquote. Among other key points in Georgia's voting reform laws that was passed and is now the law of the land, early voting expands in most Georgia counties. IDs now required not just for in-person voting, but also for mail-in voting. New rules regulate drop boxes and shorten the time frame for requesting and returning mail ballots. Food and drink distribution to voters in line by non-poll workers is banned, but self-service water stations are allowed. In-person voting must be done at a voter's assigned precinct in an effort to reduce long lines unless a voter can't make it to their assigned precinct before polls closes. Note the exception. The five-person state election board will no longer be chaired by the Secretary of State, who now becomes a non-voting ex-officio member. Ballot processing of absentee ballots will begin 15 days before Election Day and are mandated to be complete by 5 p.m. the day after an election. You can access a full list of the provisions in the new Georgia voting law by going to undergroundusa.com and reading the article, Far Left Sets the Stage to Claim the 2022 Midterms Will Be Illegitimate, Attack Filibuster Critics. To reiterate, aside from gaslighting the American people about the common-sense voting reforms and acted to provide ballot access and opportunity to the whole of the American people, Democrats purposely ignore the fact that voter turnout was at a high in the 2020 general election for each and every demographic imaginable, and especially the minority demographic. There was no voter suppression. And when one honestly considers the reforms put into effect by the states, reforms disingenuous Democrats rail on about, we see that access has been expanded, not suppressed, and then codified into law. So how did the far-left fascists of the Democrat Party respond to the failed effort of co-opting the federal election process, as well as their failed attempt to kill the filibuster, a tool that serves to protect the rights of the minority in the U.S. Senate? Well, Robert Reich, a favorite of the Clintons and the Obamas, and the coward who insisted those who voted for President Trump in the 2020 general election be politically targeted by, get this, Truth and Reconciliation Commissions, suggested physically assaulting U.S. Senator Kirsten Sinema from Arizona, a Democrat, for voting to preserve the filibuster, for voting to protect the rights of the minority in the face of an aggressive fascist movement. In the now-deleted tweet, Reich said, Tonight, Republican senators lined up to shake Kirsten Sinema's hand. Democratic senators should have given her the backs of their hands. Interesting that Reich didn't suggest physically assaulting Joe Manchin. Evidently, Reich is a full-blown misogynistic bully pig. And so the stage is set. When congressional Democrats get electorally slaughtered in November, Democrats will have been planting the false narrative of an illegitimate election for 10 months, and almost certainly with the help of their accomplice mainstream media sycophants. 
This narrative will, no doubt, continue into the 2024 general election. Now, the question is this. Is the National Republican apparatus intelligent enough to realize they have to get in front of this propaganda campaign to thump on the fact that the Biden Democrats are actually fascists with a sovereignty-killing globalist agenda? Sadly, with U.S. Senator Mitch Mumbles McConnell leading the Congressional Republicans and the milquetoast failed presidential candidate and Republican U.S. Senator from Utah Mitt Romney's niece at the helm of the RNC, I'm not going to bet on that. When I come back, let's talk about the left's abandonment of their signature mandate going decades back, inclusion and tolerance. You're listening to Underground USA. My name is Frank Salvato. We'll be right back after this. Did you know that Yopon is the only tea plant indigenous to the United States? Hi, I'm CJ, the owner of Emerald Coast Tea Company. We have a line of Yopon teas and Yopon tea blends that will open your eyes to tea that is literally made in the USA. Check out our entire line of teas at www.emeraldcoastteacompany.com. Honey, this ain't your mama's tea. Welcome back to Underground USA. My name is Frank Salvato. A new survey conducted by the Heartland Institute, in conjunction with Rasmussen Reports, illustrates just how far the left has moved away from freedom in general and their multi-decade mantra of tolerance and inclusion. In the survey, almost half, 49%, of those who identified as Democrats favored imposing authoritarian government restrictions on unvaccinated people, restrictions including fines, sequestration, and the loss of child custody. According to Rasmussen, nearly half, 48% of Democratic voters, think federal and state governments should be able to fine or imprison individuals who publicly question the efficiency of the existing COVID vaccines on social media, television, radio, or in online or digital publications. 45% of Democrats would favor governments requiring citizens to temporarily live in designated facilities or locations if they refuse to get a COVID vaccine. Additionally, and most disturbingly, 29% of those taking the survey who identified as Democrats support the idea of temporarily removing children from the homes of parents if they refuse to take a COVID vaccination, thus putting the children into the custody of the state. Not long ago, the mantra of the left to include the far left was centered on tolerance and inclusion. Regardless of the label assigned to the demographic, almost all of which was opportunistically created by the political and ideological left, the left preached to the nation and to the world that regardless of whether we agree, everyone must be included and tolerated and honest and open dialogue must be started so we can understand each other and come to common ground. 
You can almost hear Rodney King choking back the tears, right? I just want to say, you know, can we can we all get along? Can we can we get along? Um, can we stop making it making it horrible for for the for the older people and the, and, the, and the kids? Today's left, and especially today's fascist far left, and that's what they are by definition, has abandoned its disingenuous dedication to tolerance and inclusion and has descended to authoritarian totalitarianism. They embrace elitism to the point of believing, believing, that there should be different sets of rules, regulations, and laws depending on a person's politics and ideology. The results of this survey should be chilling to each and every American. It's certainly chilling to those immigrant Americans who escaped the oppressive and totalitarian rule of the Soviets because they understand this mindset, this fascist and authoritarian mindset, for what it is, an attempt to define and then limit freedom. The idea that almost half of Democrats believe the unvaccinated should be rounded up, detained, and put into camps until they abandon their freedom of choice where health is concerned, a sick irony considering their argument of my body, my choice, where the abortion pro-choice movement is concerned, by the by, is beyond the well-acknowledged immorality of Franklin Delano Roosevelt's Japanese internment camps and more akin to how the communist Chinese are treating their Uyghurs. This alarming elitist narcissism is compounded by one-third of those same survey respondents believing the government should interject itself into the family unit, thanks to the employment of Hillary Clinton's family-deprecating it-takes-a-village Marxist mindset, to forcibly take children from their parents should their parents not be comfortable enough with taking poorly vetted, DNA-altering COVID vaccines. It's important to note that as of today, Britain has discontinued all COVID restrictions to include vaccination and mask mandates, the use of vaccine passports, mandatory COVID tracking, gathering and travel restrictions, along with every other restriction that was enacted to combat the pandemic. Today, Britain joins other countries who now recognize COVID as something we must treat endemically, like influenza, and something that must be marginalized by herd immunity in the primary. But this isn't about COVID, or the ideological, societal, and political division that the fear-mongering of the politically opportunistic and media classes foisted upon the American people. It's about the fact that close to half of those who identified as Democrats have completely abdicated any fealty to the Bill of Rights and our core American individualism. Contrary to what Wilsonian Democrats, and you can read that as fascist progressives, contrary to what they believe, The U.S. Constitution and the Bill of Rights are not malleable to the times. The U.S. Constitution lays out the structure of our government and how it is to operate, and the Bill of Rights clearly defines the government's limitations on our inalienable rights. Both documents were written in a way that makes them timeless, meaning they can be applied to any age as they exist and still remain relevant and omnipotent. If the fascists of today understood the term living document to mean agelessly omnipotent, that would be one thing, but they don't. If we're to have any 
fidelity to the American individualism that was created for each of us through the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, then the adage that an individual's right to throw a punch necessarily ends where another's nose begins must be accepted as a rule and not a suggestion or a rule with morally relativistic exceptions, less criminality. Understanding that public health emergencies will arise and there may be short-term mitigating circumstances, and the optimal word here is short-term, any government intervention must be extremely minimal and absolutely temporary, and any remedy prescribed for the public good must be thoroughly vetted, tested, and devoid of any profiteering or political opportunism. The COVID event held none of the aforementioned reasonable and responsible restrictions that should have reined in the government's intervention into our freedoms. The COVID event also red-flagged the fascists among us, fascists that have been created and cultivated by the fascist progressives born of the Wilsonian era, when our government under Woodrow Wilson was, in fact, a fascist government, and one recognized as such by foreign leaders and domestic politicians alike. If our republic, our constitutional republic, is to change course and head back towards the sovereignty of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, then the majority of us, and that's roughly about 86.8%, must communicate to the aforementioned Democrat subset, roughly 13.2%, that we will not allow a tyranny of the minority to impose fascism on the total of the American people. At this point, it isn't about Democrat versus Republican or left versus right. It's about those who believe in freedom fighting off those who would cede our freedoms for their own selfish beliefs. The selfish, that 13.2% that is so childishly enamored of nanny state socialism delivered through fascism, must be educated on their nihilism and defeated at all cost. As Benjamin Franklin said, those who would give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. When I come back, let's talk a little bit about Joe Biden's pro-regulation Fed nominee, Sarah Bloom Raskin. You're listening to Underground USA. My name is Frank Salvato. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after a word from those who make this possible. I'm Judson Carroll, and I'm an herbalist. I'd like to invite you to listen to my show, the Southern Appalachian Herbs Podcast. It's available wherever you like to listen to podcasts. It's a show with a conservative Christian worldview, and it's about a lot more than just herbal medicine. It's about an independent way of life, being more self-reliant, less reliant on the government, the medical industry, the pharmaceutical industry, and the supply chain. With freedom comes responsibility. Sometimes that responsibility is putting food on the table. Other times it's caring for yourself and your family with home remedies. So give it a listen. I think you'll enjoy it, and it may just save your life. Welcome back to Underground USA. My name is Frank Salvato. Be sure to sign up for everything we do over there. Go to undergroundusa.com, 
subscription box will pop up. Put your email address in there. We bring it directly to you without filtering it through the social media sensors. What a novel concept. And yet another in a never-ending display of just how tone-deaf the Biden administration is. President Biden announced three new nominations for the Federal Reserve Boards of Governors, including far-left pro-government intervention Sarah Bloom Raskin. She was nominated for the central bank's top regulatory spot. Biden nominated Raskin to serve as vice chair for supervision and academic economists Lisa Cook and Philip Jefferson to fill the remaining vacancies on the seven-member board. If approved through the Senate confirmation process, Cook would be the first black woman to serve on the Fed's board, while Jefferson would be the fourth black man to do so. Additionally, the board would, for the first time in its history, consist of a majority of women. Okay, bravo, if they're qualified. As vice chair of supervision, Raskin would oversee annual stress tests that examine bank safety and liquidity. Many on the far left believe that Raskin will appear to take a tougher stance against Wall Street than her predecessor. But many in the political center and on the right are indicating serious concerns about her push to establish market-killing financial regulatory policies for cryptocurrencies and extending the Fed's mission statement to favor policies that attempt to co-opt the global economy under the ruse of climate change. By the way, Raskin's husband... Representative Jamie Raskin, Democrat from Maryland, he led the second impeachment trial of former President Trump, just to put things in context. Speaking to reporters, a Senate Banking Committee aide said, Senate Republicans have serious concerns about Ms. Raskin's desire for the Fed to engage in mission creep by exceeding the bounds of its narrow statutory mandate in order to pursue a liberal social agenda, particularly on climate. U.S. Senator Pat Toomey, Republican from Pennsylvania, the ranking member on the Senate Banking Committee. In a statement to Bloomberg, he said uh, if she is nominated, she would abuse the Fed's narrow statutory mandates on monetary policy to have the central bank actively engage in capital allocation. Such actions not only threaten both the Fed's independence and effectiveness, but would also weaken economic growth. So he said that she had put pressure on the banks or written about the choke-off credit to traditional energy companies and exclude these employers from many Fed emergency lending facilities. Important to note here is the vulnerability of the economy and the solid record of government intervention in the free market working to the detriment of the American people. Also important to understand is the fact that while the members of the Federal Reserve Board are nominated by the President and confirmed by the Senate, those appointed to the board don't serve at the pleasure of the President. The Federal Reserve, although the authority over our banking system, isn't part and parcel of the U.S. federal government's purview. The Fed is an independent entity of the private sector with governmental powers, as explained by TheBalance.com. Quote, The Federal Reserve is the central banking system of the United States, and it's been around for over a century. The Panic of 1907 spurred President, and here he is again, Woodrow Wilson, to create the Federal Reserve System. He called for a National Monetary Commission to evaluate the best response to prevent ongoing financial panics, bank failures, and business bankruptcies. Congress then passed the Federal Reserve Act of 1913. Congress originally designed the Fed to 
provide for the establishment of Federal Reserve banks to furnish an elastic currency to afford means of rediscounting commercial paper to establish a more effective supervision of banking in the U.S. and for dun, 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 other purposes. Since then, Congress has enacted legislation to expand the Fed's powers and purpose. Today, the Fed enacts monetary policy to manage inflation, maximize employment, and stabilize interest rates. It also oversees the banking system to protect consumers." Unquote. But as they also explain, the actions undertaken by the Federal Reserve have a significant impact on each and every one of us every day and absolutely affect the worth of our accrued wealth. The board's decisions have a direct effect on stocks and bond mutual funds as well as our loan rates, thus giving an indirect effect on the values of our homes and even our chances of being laid off and or rehired. Appointing more conservative members to the Fed board usually results in a more ingenuous fidelity to the unique American capitalist free market system because the commissioners tend to be reluctant to interfere in a regulatory manner, allowing for the strength of the free market elements of the U.S. economy to thrive. It's for this reason the economies crafted by both Reagan and Trump thrived. They appointed non-interventionalists to the Federal Reserve Board. As explained by Stephen Nicholas of Investopedia.com, the free market and capitalism are not interchangeable references to the same economic systems. Capitalism centers on the creation of wealth, open competition, and individual incentives, as well as private sector ownership of the capital, means of production, and product distribution. A truly free market system, by contrast, centers exclusively on the exchange of wealth or goods and services as is dictated by demand and supply from buyers and sellers, with no government intervention. Read regulation. The United States is, in actuality, a mixed economy. Although elements of the free market are integral to the U.S. market, there's an overabundance of state and federal oversight, taxation, and regulation that exists especially in sectors prone to special interests. A cursory examination of Raskin's professional history indicates that she's not shy about imposing special interest-promoting regulations on the markets to affect a preferred outcome. She's a social engineering ideologue, and her positions on regulating the cryptocurrency sphere, as well as using the Federal Reserve to facilitate the dictates of the World Economic Forum's Great Reset under the guise of addressing climate change, Make that clear. The mission statement of the Federal Reserve Banking System is clear, defined, and limited. They are tasked, per their own website, with fostering the stability, integrity, and efficiency of the nation's monetary, financial, and payment systems so as to promote optimal macroeconomic performance. But they are limited, specifically, to these six goals. 1. Conduct monetary policy that promotes the achievement of the Federal Reserve's statutory objectives of maximum employment and stable prices. 2. Promote a safe, sound, competitive, and accessible banking system and stable financial markets. 3. Administer federal consumer financial protection laws that fall within the board's statutory authority, including those designed to encourage regulated financial institutions to help meet the credit needs of their local communities. 4. 
foster the integrity, efficiency, and accessibility of U.S. payment and settlement systems. 5. Provide oversight of the reserve banks. And 6. Foster the integrity, efficiency, and effectiveness of board programs and operations. That's pretty clear cut. Nowhere in the mission statement or goals stated in that literature or charter does it incline them to engage in transformative or destructive economics. But where their influence has been exerted so far in the cryptocurrency sphere, it has been destructive, influencing markets in adverse ways each and every time a statement on the economy or the subject of cryptocurrency is issued by the Fed's Board of Governors, either officially or in passing in the media. And nowhere in its charter are the Fed Board Governors empowered to influence the U.S. markets based on politics, special interest concerns, foreign economic models and or theories, or efforts by global elites to co-opt the American economic system, such as the World Economic Forum's Great Reset is wont to do. The Biden administration has proven beyond a doubt they are bought and paid for by the extreme far-left special interests, as well as at least two foreign governments, Communist China and Russia. Raskin's nomination reflects this reality without question. She would commit to embracing the Great Reset while robbing the American people of the free, untainted by government and decentralized cryptocurrency market that, to date, has allowed the average American an avenue to a great deal of wealth creation. An additional point to keep in mind is this. Since the Federal Reserve doesn't answer to the authority of the federal government, there is no governing body to audit or provide meaningful oversight to their actions. The Federal Reserve has never been independently audited. This should disturb everyone to the point that we should make Sarah Bloom Raskin's confirmation hearings a debate and vote on the confidence the American people have in the Federal Reserve banking system as a whole. I don't know about you, but cryptocurrencies, even with the shaky market today because of what the Federal Reserve has been spouting off in the media, are looking mighty attractive right now because the government isn't involved. When I come back, the World Economic Forum, they're trying to strong-arm sovereign economies with ESG scoring, and they say you can't hide from it. You're listening to Underground USA. My name is Frank Salvato. We'll be right back. Handcrafted exotic blend teas at the lowest shipping cost anywhere. Hi, I'm CJ, owner of the Emerald Coast Tea Company. We ship our premium gourmet blends with Sindel, offering you the lowest shipping prices anywhere, while also being carbon neutral. Excellent tea at the right price. Check us out at www.emeraldcoastteacompany.com. Honey, this ain't your mom's tea. Welcome back to Underground USA. My name is Frank Salvato. As if to believe they have the unilateral power to ignore the economic sovereignty of every nation on the planet, the senior-most elite of the government-usurping globalists at the World Economic Forum in Davos have declared that environmental, social, and governance standards are coming, will soon apply to all industries, 
and that there's nothing anyone can do about it. To add insult to their attack on the sovereignty of nations, the Davos crew strongly intimated that even those who don't want any part of their woke, hostile takeover of the world's economy, such that the Great Reset's ESG drive is, well, they'll eventually be left with no choice but to conform. The threatening comments were made at a breakout meeting titled ESG Metrics for a Sustainable Future. The meeting signaled that the Davos leaders and the global big four accounting firms have unilaterally decided to move forward with the creation of a globally applicable ESG standards metric and measurement protocols. The big four accounting firms include Price Waterhouse Cooper, Deloitte, Ernst & Young, and the KPMG International Finance Reporting Group. So divest yourself accordingly. At present, only 140 firms worldwide have taken a knee to the bully tactics of Klaus Schwab's World Economic Forum, but the panel agreed that auditors would be moving towards a consensus that will eventually result in a mandated set of standards for all industries. The CEO of Bank of America, Brian Moynihan, a participant in the economic hostile takeover, said bluntly, no one can hide from an accounting standard. Moynihan said that while compliance is still a challenge, many firms are announcing plans to begin compliance, adding, we can't debate how to measure any longer. Julie Sweet, the CEO of Accenture, who also spoke at the event, conceded that while a minority of major firms are reporting a full set of ESG data, firms just need to make the decision to measure. Moynihan appeared confident in his laissez-faire and economy-killing transformative focus, saying, Aligning capitalism to the task of meeting ESG goals would bring firms on board across the business spectrum. It seems capitalism has to take a knee to what they want the economy to be. It's incredibly important to understand who the Davos crew is. It's the same group of people who manhandled the world in their intrusive, totalitarian manipulation of the COVID pandemic. They're the same group that tacitly supported the censoring of doctors with contrarian views about the big pharma solution to the pandemic, a solution centered on vaccines that now are proving to be just as debilitating as the virus to many people. And they did so, profiteering all the way. The Davos crew a group of self-anointed masters of the world, includes people like George Soros, a former Nazi facilitator who attained his wealth by destroying other people's wealth through currency manipulation. Bill Gates, whose conceit has allowed him to believe he's some sort of vaccine demagogue. And, to name just a few of those who will be attending the 2022 Cabal in Davos, who take a knee to the World Economic Forum's Klaus Schwab, the self-anointed economist of the world? Well, you've got the president of Communist China. He's going to be attending. You've got the secretary of the United Nations, a group that believes it runs the world, attending. You've got the director general of the World Health Organization, who believes that their medical dictates should be just followed and not questioned around the world. You've got the managing director of the International Monetary Fund, You've got the infamous Dr. Anthony Fauci in attendance. Not his first time at the rodeo. You've got the president of the European Central Bank. You've got the general director of the International Labor Organization. 
you've got the executive director of the International Energy Agency. You've got the general secretary of the International Trade Union Confederation and the director general of the World Wildlife Foundation International, a very pro-climate change organization. A more austere assemblage of dictators, autocrats, and self-important potentates is rarely witnessed. And that doesn't include the corporate sponsors who annually execute a well-crafted cover-your-ass with the World Economic Forum by facilitating the meetings. A full list of those people can be found over at undergroundusa.com in the article, World Economic Forum Tries to Strong-Arm Sovereign Economies Nobody Can Hide from the ESG Standards. Again, divest yourself accordingly. To be filed under the heading, it would be hilarious if it wasn't true. The theme of this year's Davos Cotillion is a crucial year to rebuild trust. The World Economic Forum founder and chief of the hostile takeover brigade, Klaus Schwab, was arrogant enough to have stated, quote, and I use my best Colonel Klink impersonation to do this, quote, rebuilding trust and increasing global cooperation are crucial to fostering innovative and bold solutions to stem the pandemic and drive a robust recovery. This unique meeting will be an opportunity for leaders to outline their visions and address the most important issues of our time, such as the need to accelerate job creation and to protect the environment. Yavol! You'll note that nowhere in his statement did Schwab mention protecting individual freedoms or strengthening existing economic system by expunging exploitative investment gimmicks that literally allow the financial elite to grow wealth off the backs of investors at no monetary risk to themselves so as to preserve the wealth of the individual. That would be too much to ask from a gathering of mostly unelected megalomaniacs who are supposed to be attending a summit to discuss important economic issues, not transformative economic issues. No, instead Schwab and his crew of economy raiders would rather discuss how the world's corporations and the free market capitalist system must adapt to their elitist wealth generation scheme floated under the guise of saving the planet. Nothing, repeat nothing, about ESG scoring and stakeholder capitalism. Read the communist Chinese coercive hybrid model of commu-capitalism is designed to save the planet. The transition from our tarnished but functional free market shareholder capitalist system to stakeholder capitalism is about power and control. The Washington Times' Cheryl Chumley astutely writes about this issue. Quote, The World Economic Forum has this push to replace shareholder capitalism with stakeholder capitalism, and that's a fancy disguised way of saying the World Economic Forum is rapidly pushing to replace capitalism with communism. When the wonks working with the World Economic Forum say that ESGs, rather than profits, should be the defining factor of a business's success, what they're advocating is a new way of doing business. Free markets depend on businesses offering something that consumers find of enough value that they're willing to pay cold hard cash to obtain. Free markets are clean, pure, honest in that way. Now throw in environmental regulatory compliance. Now throw in Black Lives Matter's agenda. Now throw in vaccine mandates. 
Now throw in any number of government-slash-activist-driven social justice wish list items. Under a World Economic Forum imagined stakeholder system, banks wouldn't lend to businesses that don't comply with, say, climate change policies or, say, vaccination mandates. Investors wouldn't invest if the World Economic Forum didn't approve. Insurers wouldn't insure. Governments wouldn't permit. Developers wouldn't develop, builders wouldn't build, and so forth and so on. The government, through partners and friends in business, would be the behind-the-scenes strings pullers. Unquote. The sad truth, and my main point in all of this, is that we, the people of the world, don't have to allow these wannabe global masters to enslave us as serfs. We don't have to comply with their institution of ESG scoring, and we don't have to allow them to grant themselves the power to end free market capitalism, the only economic system in the history of man to have created a middle class and economic upward mobility. These people, that Davos crew, for their overwhelming majority, are not elected to anything. No one voted to put them in charge of anything, let alone the world's economy and economic systems. They don't have the authority, right, or privilege to simply decide to end capitalism while ushering an economic system that will, per the World Economic Forum's own propaganda, see you, quote, owning nothing and liking it, unquote, by 2030. Each and every one of us. Just as in our taking a hard stance against the totalitarian overreach of government during the COVID crisis, must push back and push back hard against this hostile takeover of the world's economic system by this self-anointed class of greed merchants. Buy local. Divest from products produced by corporations employing ESG scoring and write them to tell them they've lost your patronage. Speak out against this unilateral takeover of freedom as if your existence depends on it, because it does. If you liked the reduced level of freedom you had under the COVID pandemic, you'll love the complete lack of freedom under the Great Reset and stakeholder capitalism, courtesy of the same reprobates that made trillions off of the pandemic. How much will you love having not to care about your freedom? Just ask the Uyghurs. You're listening to Underground USA. My name is Frank Salvato. Sign up for our mail-out coming directly to you, circumventing the censorship police at undergroundusa.com. We'll be right back after this. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.